Number one is this, and that is that fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike. All right? In other words, we're not going on strike and telling God, okay, God, we're not going to eat again until you do what we ask you to do. And really, it's not what we ask you to do, but until you meet our demands. We try to manipulate, we try to twist the arm of God. That is not what fasting is about. It's not a spiritual hunger strike. Here's the second thing that we need to know, and that is that fasting must be accompanied by prayer. Fasting without prayer is a diet. That's all it is. Now listen, in a sense, we are going on a spiritual diet. As I said, we're pushing some things aside. We're laying aside distractions and weights. We're laying aside sin. So we are putting off some weight that is distracting us from fully connecting with our Father. But fasting must be accompanied by prayer because prayer is the key. The key to the heavens of God opening. And that's what I see happening here at Summerton Church of God. I see the heavens of God opening above this place. And God pouring out blessings to the extent that we cannot even contain the blessings that he's going to be pouring out on us. And then a third thing that we need to understand about fasting is that fasting must not be as the hypocrites. We don't fast in order to get recognized. Amen. If that's the only reason why you're fasting, then that will be the only reward you get from fasting is that others will recognize you and reward you for your sacrifice. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 2. Because I have a lot of people ask me, well, where in the Bible is it commanded that we fast? And you know what? The Bible doesn't command us to fast. It doesn't do that. But it does assume that we would fast. Listen to what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 6. He said, therefore, when, notice not if, but when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do, notice again, not if, but when you do a charitable deed, that is when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 5, and he says, And when you pray, notice not if you pray, but when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They're good at public prayer, but missing out on private prayer. He said, they love to pray publicly in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, but they only do it to be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And then he goes on and he says in verse 6, but when you pray, again, not if, when you pray, get into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who is in the secret place sees in secret he will reward you openly. You want to know what the secret to prayer is? Secret prayer. 
The secret to prayer is secret prayer. So he's assuming when you give, when you pray, and then notice what he says in verse 16, moreover, when, not if, but when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so Jesus assumes that every follower of his will practice at least three disciplines. They will be givers, they will be prayers, and they will be fasters. Notice what he says now in Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, why do the disciples of John, that is John the Baptist, why do those disciples fast often and make prayers? Why do the disciples of John the Baptist fast and pray? But then he says, and likewise, even those of the Pharisees, but yours, Jesus, yours, your disciples, they don't fast, they eat and they drink. And so Jesus said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, at a wedding, when you are there with the bridegroom, it's not a time to mourn. However, I've been to some weddings where you might would mourn. But he just said, it's not a time to mourn. It's a time to be joyful because the bridegroom is with you. And in the presence of the Lord, in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And so he said, it's not a time to mourn. It's not a time to fast when the bridegroom is with you. But there's going to come a time when the bridegroom is going to be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. So yes, is it biblical for us to fast? Absolutely. Why? Because the bridegroom, for a period of time, for a season of time, has departed. Now, we know that he's not left us comfortless. He sent us a comforter, the Holy Spirit. But here's what Paul says about these last days as we are waiting on the bridegroom to return. He said that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. He goes on to say that they will have profession of power, but will not have the power to back up their profession. And he goes on and on and he says that in the last days, evil men and seducers of spirits are going to wax worse and worse. That, ladies and gentlemen, Summit and Church of God, that's the reason why we must pray. That's the reason why we must fast because of the season, the times that you and I are living in here today. Now, when I was praying about this message this morning, I know without a doubt the Holy Spirit took me to three passages of Scripture as it relates to the power of prayer and fasting. And the first passage of Scripture that he took me to is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, if you don't know it by now, you're going to know it before you leave here today. I'm a Bible preacher. 
I love the Word of God. I don't have to try to make the Word of God come alive. The Word of God is already alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe I could get up here this morning and just read the Word of God, and it will not return void. But it'll do what it's intended to do. But in 1 Chronicles or 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see that the nation of Israel, Judah, the southern portion of the nation of Israel, is under attack. Three of the enemy nations of Israel have formed an alliance, and together they're coming against the southern kingdom of Israel, which at that time was called Judah. And so in verse 2 it says that then some came and told Jehoshaphat, who was the leader, the king of Judah, came and told Jehoshaphat, saying that a great multitude is coming against you. I wonder this morning if there's anybody here in this room today that's ever felt like a great multitude was coming against you. Has anybody here ever felt like that all of hell had been unleashed against you? And that's what's happening here. That's what they're feeling. And it says that a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are already in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And then notice what verse 3 says. So Jehoshaphat feared and isn't that many times our initial reaction one of fear it says that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself now look at this he set himself to seek the Lord oh if you feel like you are under attack this morning if you feel like all of hell has unleashed its power against you what you need to do is you need to take some time like what we're entering into right now to seek the Lord and they said that he feared and set himself to seek the Lord and notice what he did he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord that's what we're doing over these 21 days we're asking the Lord for help and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord listen when we come together why don't we make it our purpose when we come together to seek the Lord to seek the Lord and then he goes on and it says this in verse 5 it says then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and here's what he said he said oh Lord God of our fathers are you not God in heaven? Notice he's appealing to the sovereignty of God. He said, do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your right hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? You know, sometimes you just need to remind yourself of the sovereignty of God during your prayer. Amen? Somewhere in your prayer time, you just need to remind yourself God is sovereign and that there's nothing too hard for him. He has all power in heaven and in earth. And then he goes on and he says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? You know what he's doing now? He's now appealing to the covenant that God made with his people that began with Abraham. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 8. He said, and they dwell in it. That is the land that you gave to them. And have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying that if disaster comes upon us. Now listen, you need to hear this. 
whether it be sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. You said that if we would just stand before this temple in your presence and cry out to God, that, Lord, you would hear us and you would save us. Hallelujah. And so he says, now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, the three nations that had formed an alliance against them. And they said, Lord, when we came out of Egyptian bondage, you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. In other words, God, when you brought us out of Egypt, you wouldn't allow us to destroy those three nations. But God, look at how they are rewarding us for that. They are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. In other words, God, this belongs to us. You gave it to us. God, don't let these enemies come in and take from us what you've given us. And then he goes on and he says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? This is where it gets really good. For we have no power against this great multitude. You see, that's what fasting is all about. It's about us humbling ourselves before God and admitting the fact that we don't have the power in and of ourselves to fight against this onslaught of hell that is against us. And he said, we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Oh, but I love this. But our eyes are upon you. Glory to God. You see, that's what it is all about, ladies and gentlemen. Over the next 21 days, it's laying aside distractions, laying aside sin that entangles us so that we can focus our eyes upon the Lord. And then notice what happened after they fasted and after they prayed. The power of prayer and fasting. It said, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet Jehaziel, and he was the son of Zerubbabel or Zechariah. And then it goes on and said that the prophet gets up before the people and he says, This is what the Lord says All you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, because the battle is not yours, the battle is God's. Somebody needs to know this morning you've been trying to fight a battle you were never meant to fight. This is God's battle, and if we will humble ourselves and admit we don't have the power to do this, then God can come in all of his might and his power and defeat our enemies for us. Somebody give God praise in this room. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I got a preaching fit on me this morning. Can we just give God some praise in this house? Amen. A second passage of Scripture that he took me to is in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, it says that in the year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. Look at this next statement. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. Listen, just because God has spoken a word into your life doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next five minutes or the next 24 hours 
or the next week or the next month or the next year. The message is true, but sometimes the appointed time is long. We have to learn how to wait on God. And that's where Daniel is. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. He understood. Daniel understood the message and had understanding of the vision. But then it says in verse 2, Daniel said that in those days I was mourning three full weeks. That's where we get 21 day fast from. Is there anybody here in this room today that needs a breakthrough from God? Is there anybody here this morning you feel like you are in a spiritual battle? That's where Daniel is. Because Daniel has had this vision. And even though he understood the vision, he still needed some clarity about the future of the nation of Israel. He was concerned about his people. Many of them had already been given permission to leave out of Babylon and go back to Jerusalem and begin the process of rebuilding the city and rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls. But when they get there, they are faced with much opposition and it doesn't look like what God said was going to happen is going to happen. And so Daniel is concerned and he said, so for 21 days, he said, I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. In other words, he fasted for 21 days. And most believe that he probably ate just fruit and vegetables during this time. And then notice what he said. He said, neither did I anoint myself at all. You know what that means? That means for 21 days the boy didn't take a bath. Now, we're not asking you to do that. Please bathe. You notice Jesus said when you fast, anoint yourself, take a bath. But he said, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now notice Daniel prays. And then he goes into a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why? Because as we're about to find out, the moment that Daniel prayed, his prayer was heard. And his prayer was answered, but there was a battle, a spiritual battle that was going on in the heavenlies between Gabriel and the prince of Persia so that the answer to Daniel's prayer was being hindered from getting to heaven to where Daniel was. How do I know that? Because then he said, Gabriel, when he appeared to me, said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first Day, Listen, somebody in this room here today, you need to know God has heard your prayer. You may not have an answer yet, but God has heard your prayer. And if you will go into a season, here's what I believe. I believe that prayer and fasting has the power to break strongholds in the heavenlies that are keeping answers from our prayers to getting to where we are. Mm, I believe that. He said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble, that's what fasting is, to humble yourself before your God. 
He said, from that point, your words were heard. And I love this. I am here because of your words. I am here because of your prayers. Daniel, you didn't stop praying. You didn't stop fasting. You prevailed. You persisted in your prayers and in your fasting. And as a result of that, your answer has come. Notice what he said in verse 13. He said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, the archangel, angel one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia in other words Gabriel said it was a fight that was even too great for me and so God had to dispatch Michael the archangel to come and help me defeat the prince of Persia so that the answer to your prayers could get to where you are listen you and I need to know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. We will not win a spiritual battle with carnal worldly weapons, only with spiritual weapons. And I know without a doubt that when we pray and when we fast, hallelujah, that those strongholds in the heavenlies are broken and what's been hindering the answer to your prayers is gone is there anybody here this morning that's ready for your prayers to get answered one final scripture when we're in crises we need to fast and pray when we don't know what to do we need to fast and pray when we need breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, we need to fast and pray. But then in Matthew chapter 17, just prior to this that we're going to read, Jesus has been on the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. <laughs> and I mean, they have witnessed heaven come to earth, literally. They have had revival. Matter of fact, Peter liked it so much, he said, Lord, let's just build a church up here and stay here. And that's what a lot of us would like to do, wouldn't we? We'd like to stay up there on that mountain. Really, it's called escapism. We want to be on the mountain and not bothered with the needs of the people back down at the foot of the mountain. But Jesus knew there were people at the foot of the mountain who still needed to be ministered to. And so when they come down off the Mount of Transfiguration, here's what Jesus finds. The other nine disciples are arguing with the Pharisees because there's this man that has brought his son to the disciples because his son has a demon. And the disciples are not able to cast the demon out, and so the Pharisees use that as an opportunity to accuse the disciples of Jesus. And the disciples are arguing with the Pharisees, defending themselves as to why they were not able to cast the demon out when the whole time the boy's over there with a demon about to kill him. And that's where we pick up the story. It said, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now listen, before we get too critical of these disciples, is there anything in your life 
that you've prayed about and you've prayed about and you've prayed about and you've prayed about you've shouted at and you've rebuked but it's still there is there a sin maybe in your life that keeps you entangled and no much no matter how much you've prayed you've not been able to rid yourself of that sin that's 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 a good comparison to what's going on here so let's not be so critical of them when we still have issues in our own lives that we haven't been able to take care of and so he said I brought my son to your disciples but they could not cure him so Jesus answered and said now now if you go back and to, to Mark chapter 9 and you read Mark's account of this when this man brought his son to Jesus he said he said to Jesus he said Lord if you can and the Lord stopped him right there and he said if I can listen to me he can he can anything nothing nothing's too difficult for him but then Jesus answered and said and I can hear his frustration in his voice here because he's worked with these disciples he's mentored these guys and he says oh faithless and perverse generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I bear with you how much more patient am I gonna have to be with you thank God he is a patient God and then he says bring him here to me then the scripture goes on and it says Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour then the disciples came to Jesus privately and they asked Jesus this question why could we not cast it out maybe that's the question that we ought to be asking Jesus this morning Maybe that's the question we ought to be asking today is why could we not? Why could we not? It's a good question to ponder, to think about. And so Jesus said to them, and I bet you thought I was going to say because you haven't prayed and fasted. But no, that's not what he says. Listen, he says, because of your unbelief. That's the reason why. For assuredly, I say to you, that if you have faith as a mustard seed and notice he compares faith to a mustard seed which means that our faith may start small but it has the ability to grow and that's what God wants with our faith God wants our faith to be a growing faith where we are trusting more and more in him and believing more and more in him and the power that he's given to us the authority that he's given to us so Jesus said it's because of your unbelief for assuredly I say to you that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed you can say to this mountain and he's not talking about a literal mountain he's talking about difficulty in your lives problems in our lives that look like insurmountable mountains those issues in our lives that we think well I'm just gonna to have to learn how to live with this mountain this mountain is never going to go away no Jesus said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed you can speak to that difficulty in your life you can speak to that mountain of trouble that problem in your life and say go move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you but then Jesus says however 
this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Victor Massey, and this is my wife, Jamie, and we are the lead pastors here at Summerton Church of God. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to invite you to join us this Sunday at 1045 a.m. We're located on Highway 78 in Summerton, Alabama. Right now, we're in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, as I shared in today's message, fasting is a time for us to make room for God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the writer encourages us and says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us so that we can better focus on the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus. And here at Summerton Church of God over these 21 days, we've determined that we're going to lay aside those things that have distracted us and kept us from spending time with the Lord. But in order to receive the full benefit of fasting, we have to accompany it with prayer. So Victor and I want to pray with you right now. Father God, we just lift up those who are watching today and who are in need of a miracle. Father, we speak healing over those who are sick. We pray for those who are discouraged that need encouragement. We lift up those who are watching today who are seeking for answers because we know, God, that you are the answer giver. You are the one to give solutions. And during this time of prayer and fasting, we are trusting for testimonies of miracles. And we believe it because we ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, once again, thank you for joining us. And we pray that you were blessed by today's message. And we would be honored to have you as our guest here at Summerton Church of God. We have our worship service every Sunday at 1045. And we would just love to have you to join us as we experience God together. Because here at Summerton Church of God, He's doing a new thing, and we would like for you to be a part of that.